everyone, she's I, D.B. Spitzer, hauled away, hold away in self, uh, I don't know, isolation, uh, currently, uh, at Casa D. Blacklock Audio Tales, which is brought to you by BunnySlippers.com, keep your feet warm with some Highland cow slippers in this cold season. It snowed in Portland as I recorded today on, uh, Pi Day, so... Hey, keep your tootsies warm, bunnyslippers.com. And yes, we are in week three of Google, and it's been quite a few three weeks of March, so let's, um, yes. Here we go with more Google. And remember, to keep Blacklock Audio Tales going, why not chuck us out in social media with Facebook at Blacklock Audio Tales. Um, you can also look for us at PGTTCM, People's Guide to the Cthulhu Mythos, our monthly show about the Cthulhu Mythos. We generally have guests like Ken Height or Scott, uh, 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 Adam Scott Lancy, uh, David Heath, and all kinds of other sorts of people to talk about all s- uh, sorts of things dealing with weird fiction in the Cthulhu Mythos. Uh, you can also help out the show by going to pgttcm.com, hitting a donate button, or going to the shop. We've got cool t-shirts and uh, housewares there that you could purchase and decorate yourself and your dorm room or your cubicle or your barn or your sacrificial chamber or whatever you... Wherever you listen to podcasts, but I don't listen to podcasts in a room. I listen on a bus. Well, then tell the person next to you, why don't you listen to Black Lock Audio Tales? It's an audio tale podcast that tells you a story one chapter at a time or more. And also generally has a theme for its month. This month is Nikolai Gogol as it is his birth month. And so, yes, that is the theme uh, this series birth months. If you haven't gotten it yet, you'll get it now, because I just told you. Uh, and uh, also, check out me, D.B. Spitzer, uh, Twisted Pulp. Search out Twisted Pulp, and uh, I, I, I do a few voices here and there for Mark Slade on Twisted Pulp. Search it out. And here we go with some Google in just a little bit. You know, I like to pad out the uh, last... Uh, Three mi- uh, first three minutes with uh, just me yammering, but pgttcm.com find all episodes of this Dave's Corner of the Universe Articulate Warbling and whatever else I'm producing this week Recording done by Jules Harlock of Mississauga, Ontario Canada Taras Bulba and Other Tales by Nikolai Vesilevich Google The Mysterious Portrait Part 1 Nowhere did so many people pause as before the little picture shop in Stichkukenwidwar. This little shop contained, indeed, the most varied collection of curiosities. The pictures were chiefly oil paintings covered with dark varnish in frames of dingy yellow, winter scenes with white trees, very red sunsets like raging conflagrations a flemish boor more like a turkey cock in cuffs than a human being were the prevailing subjects to these must be added a few engravings such as a portrait of korzev mirza in a sheepskin cap 
and some generals with three-corner hats and hook noses moreover the doors of such shops are usually festooned with bundles of those publications printed on large sheets of bark and then colored by hand which bear witness to the native talent of the russian on one was tsarivna milikriza kirbetivna on another the city of jerusalem there are usually but few purchasers of these productions but gazers are many some truant lackey probably yawns in front of them holding in his hand the dishes containing dinner from the cook-shop for his master who will not get his soup very hot before them too will most likely be standing a soldier wrapped in his cloak a dealer from the old clothes mark with a couple of penknives for sale and a huckstress with a basket full of shoes each expresses admiration in his own way the musics generally touch them with their fingers the dealers gaze seriously at them serving boys and apprentices laugh and tease each other with the colored caricatures old lackeys in frayed coats look at them merely for the sake of yawning away their time somewhere and the hucksters young russian women halt by the instinct to hear what people are gossiping about and to see what they're looking at at the time our story opens the young painter tsarkov paused involuntarily as he passed the shop his old cloak and plain attire showed him to be a man who was devoted to his art with self-denying zeal and who had no time to trouble himself about his clothes he halted in front of the little shop and at first enjoyed an inward laugh over the monstrosities in the shape of pictures at length he sank unconsciously into a reverie and began to ponder as to what sort of people wanted these productions it did not seem remarkable to him that the russian populace should gaze with rapture upon yuraslanov lazarevich on the glutton and the carouser on toma and irma the delineations of these subjects were easily intelligible to the masses but where were their purchases for those streaky dirty oil paintings who needed those flemish boors those red and blue landscapes which put forth some claim to a higher stage of art but which really expressed the depths of its degradation they did not appear the works of a self-taught child in that case in spite of the caricature of drawing a sharp distinction would have manifested itself but here were visible only simple dullness steady-going incapacity which stood through self-will in the ranks of art while its true place was among the lowest trades the same colors the same manner the same practiced hand belonging rather to a manufacturing automaton than to a man he stood before the dirty pictures for some time his thoughts at length wandering to other matters meanwhile the proprietor of the shop a little gray man in a frayed coat with a beard which had not been shaved since sunday had been urging him to buy for some time naming prices without even knowing what pleased him or what he wanted 
here i'll take a silver piece for these peasants and this little landscape what painting it fairly dazzles one only just received from the factory the varnish isn't dry yet or here is a winter scene take the winter scene fifteen roubles the frame alone is worth it what a winter scene here the merchant gave a slight fillip to the canvas as if to demonstrate all the merits of the winter scene pray have them put up and sent to your house where do you live here boy give me some string hold not so fast said the painter coming to himself and perceiving that the brisk dealer was beginning in earnest to pack some pictures up he was rather ashamed not to take anything after standing so long in front of the shop so saying here stop i will see if there is anything i want here he stooped and began to pick up from the floor where there were thrown in a heap some worn dusty old paintings they were old family portraits whose descendants probably could not be found on earth with torn canvas and frames minus their gildings in short trash but the painter began his search thinking to himself perhaps i may come across something he had heard stories about pictures of the great masters having been found among the rubbish in cheap print sellers shops the dealer perceiving what he was about ceased his importunities and took up his post again at the door hailing the passer-by with hither friends here are pictures step in step in just received from the makers he shouted as his fill and generally in vain had a long talk with a rag merchant standing opposite at the door of his shop and finally recollecting that he had a customer in his shop turned his back on the public and went inside well friend have you chosen anything said he but the painter had already been standing motionless for some time before a portrait in a large and originally magnificent frame upon which however hardly a trace of gilding now remained it represented an old man with a thin bronze face and high cheekbones the features seemingly depicted in a moment of convulsive agitation he wore a flowing asiatic costume dusty and defaced as the portrait was tsarkov saw when he had succeeded in removing the dirt from the face traces of the work of a great artist the portrait appeared to be unfinished but the power of the handling was striking the eyes were the most remarkable picture of all it seemed as though the full power of the artist's brush had been lavished upon them they fairly gazed out of the portrait destroying its harmony with their strange liveliness when he carried the portrait to the door the eyes gleamed even more penetratingly they produced nearly the same impression on the public a woman standing behind him exclaimed he is looking he is looking and jumped back sarkoff experienced an unpleasant feeling inexplicable even to himself and placed the portrait on the floor well will you take the portrait said the dealer how much is it said the painter why chafer over it give me seventy-five kopecks no well how much will you give twenty kopecks said the painter preparing to go what a price why you couldn't buy a frame for that 
perhaps you will decide to purchase tomorrow sir sir turn back add ten kopecks take it take it give me twenty kopecks to tell the truth you are my only customer today and that's the only reason thus tsarkov quite unexpectedly became the purchaser of the old portrait and at the same time reflected why have i bought it what is it to me but there was nothing to be done he pulled a twenty kopeck piece from his pocket gave it to the merchant took the portrait under his arm and carried it home on the way thither he remembered that the twenty kopeck piece he had given for it was his last his thoughts at once became gloomy vexation and careless indifference took possession of him at one and the same moment the red light of sunset still lingered in one half the sky the houses facing that way still gleamed with its warm light and meanwhile the cold blue light of the moon grew brighter light half transparent shadows fell in bands upon the ground the painter began by degrees to glance up at the sky flushed with a transparent light and at the same moment from his lips fell the words what a delicate tone what a nuance deuce take it readjusting the portrait which kept slipping from under his arm he quickened his pace weary and bathed in perspiration he dragged himself to vasilievsky ostrov with difficulty and much panting he made his way up the stairs flooded with soap suds and adorned with the tracks of dogs and cats to his knock there was no answer there was no one at home he leaned against the window and disposed himself to wait patiently until at last there resounded behind him the footsteps of a boy in a blue blouse his servant model and color grinder this boy was called nikita and spent all his time in the streets when his master was not at home nikita tried for a long time to get the key into the lock which was quite invisible by reason of the darkness finally the door was opened tsarkov entered the ante-room which was intolerably cold as painters rooms always are which fact however they do not notice without giving nikita his coat he went on into the his studio a large room but low fitted with all sorts of artistic rubbish plaster hands canvases sketches begun and discarded and draperies thrown over the chairs feeling very tired he took off his cloak placed the portrait abstractedly between two small canvases and threw himself on the narrow divan having stretched himself out he finally called for a light there are no candles said nikita what none and there were none last night said nikita the artist recollected that in fact there had been no candles the previous evening and became silent he let nikita take his coat off and put on his old worn dressing-gown there has been a gentleman here said nikita yes he came for money i know said the painter waving his hand he was not alone said nikita who else was with him i don't know some police officer or other but why a police officer i don't know why but he says because your rent is not paid 
Well, what will come of it? I don't know what will come of it, he said. If he won't pay, why, let him leave the rooms. They are both coming again tomorrow. Let them come, said Tsarkov with indifference, and a gloomy mood took full possession of him. Young Tsarkov was an artist of talent which promised great things. His work gave evidence of observation, thought, and a strong inclination to approach nearer to nature. Look here, my friend, his professor said to him more than once. You have talent. It will be a shame if you waste it. But you are impatient. You have but to be attracted by anything. To fall in love with it, you become engrossed with it, and all else goes for nothing, and you won't even look at it. See to it that you do not become a fashionable artist. At present your coloring begins to assert itself too loudly, and your drawing is at times quite weak. You are already striving after the fashionable style, because it strikes the eye at once. Have a care. Society already begins to have its attraction for you. I have seen you with a shiny hat, a foppish neckerchief. It is seductive to paint fashionable little pictures and portraits for money, but talent is ruined, not developed by that means. Be patient. Think out every piece of work. Discard your foppishness. Let others amass money. Your own will not fail you. The professor was partly right. Our artist sometimes wanted to enjoy himself, to play the fop, in short to give vent to his youthful impulses in some way or other, but he could control himself with all. At times he would forget everything when he had once taken his brush in his hand and could not tear himself from it except as from a, a delightful dream his taste perceptibly developed he did not as yet understand all the depths of raphael but he was attracted by guido's broad and rapid handling he paused before titian's portraits he delighted in the flemish masters the dark veil enshrouding the ancient pictures had not yet wholly passed away from him before them but he already saw something in them though in private he did not agree with the professor that the secrets of the old masters are irremediably lost to us. It seemed to him that the nineteenth century had improved upon them considerably, that the delineation of nature was more clear, more vivid, more close. It sometimes vexed him when he saw how a strange artist, French or German, sometimes not even a painter by profession, but only a skillful dauber produced by the celerity of his brush and the vividness of his coloring a universal commotion and amassed in a twinkling a funded capital this did not occur to him when he fully occupied with his own work for then he forgot food and drink and all the world but when dire want arrived when he had no money wherewith to buy brushes and colors when his implacable landlord came ten times a day to demand the rent for his rooms then did the luck of the wealthy artist recur to his hungry imagination then did the thought which so often traverses russian minds to give up altogether and go downhill utterly to the bad traverse his 
and now he was almost in this frame of mind yes it is all very well to be patient be patient he exclaimed with vexation but there is an end to patience at last be patient but what money have i to buy a dinner with to-morrow no one will lend me any if i did bring myself to sell all my pictures and sketches they would not give me twenty kopecks for the whole of them they are useful i feel that not one of them has been undertaken in vain i have learned something from each one yes but of what use is it studies sketches all will be studies trial sketches to the end and who will buy not even knowing me by name who wants drawings from the antique or the life class or my unfinished love of a psyche or the interior of my room or the portrait of nikita though though it is better to tell the truth than the portraits by any of the fashionable artists why do i worry and toil like a learner over the alphabet when i might shine as brightly as the rest and have money too like them thus speaking the artist suddenly shuddered and turned pale a convulsively distorted face gazed at him peeping forth from the surrounding canvas two terrible eyes were fixed straight upon him on the mouth was written a menacing command of silence alarmed he tried to scream and summon nikita who already was snoring in the ante-room but he suddenly paused and laughed the sensation of fear died away in a moment it was the portrait he had bought and which he had quite forgotten the light of the moon illuminating the chamber had fallen upon it and lent it a strange likeness to life he began to examine it he moistened a sponge with water passed it over the picture several times washed off nearly all the accumulated and encrusted dust and dirt hung it on the wall before him wondering yet more at the remarkable workmanship the whole face had gained new life and the eyes gazed at him so that he shuddered and springing back he exclaimed in a voice of surprise it looks with human eyes then suddenly there occurred to him a story he had heard long before from his professor of a certain portrait by the renowned leonardo da vinci upon which the great master labored several years and still regarded as incomplete but which according to vasari was nevertheless deemed by all the most complete and finished product of his art the most finished thing about it was the eyes which amazed his contemporaries the very smallest barely visible veins in them being reproduced on the canvas but in the portrait now before him there was something singular it was no longer art it even destroyed the harmony of the portrait they were living human eyes it seemed as though they had been cut from a living man and inserted here was none of that high enjoyment which takes possession of the soul at the sight of an artist's production no matter how terrible the subject he may have chosen again he approached the portrait in order to absorb those wondrous eyes and perceived with terror that they were gazing at him this was no copy from nature it was life the strange life which might have lighted up the face of a dead man 
risen from the grave whether it was the effect of the moonlight which brought with it fantastic thoughts and transformed things into strange likenesses opposed to those of matter-of-fact day or from some other cause but it suddenly became terrible to him he knew not why to sit alone in the room he drawed back from the portrait turned aside and tried not to look at it but his eyes involuntarily of its own accord kept glancing sideways towards it finally he became afraid to walk about the room it seemed as though someone were on the point of stepping up behind him and every time he turned he glanced timidly back he had never been a coward but his imagination and nerves were sensitive and that evening he could not explain his involuntary fear he seated himself in one corner but even then it seemed to him that someone was peeping over his shoulder into his face even nikita's snores resounding from the ante-room did not chase away his fear at length he rose from the seat without raising his eyes went behind a screen and lay down on his bed through the cracks of the screen he saw his room lit up by the moon and the portrait hanging stiffly on the wall the eyes were fixed upon him in a yet more terrible and significant manner and it seemed as if they would not look at anything but himself overpowered with a feeling of oppression he decided to rise from his bed seized the sheet and approaching the portrait covered it up completely having done this he laid down more at ease on his bed and began to meditate upon the poverty and the pitiful lot of the artist and the thorny path lying before him in the world but meanwhile his eyes glanced involuntarily through the joint of the screen at the portrait muffled in the sheet the light of the moon heightened the whiteness of the sheet and it seemed to him as though those terrible eyes shone through the cloth with terror he fixed his eyes more steadfastly on the spot as if wishing to convince himself that it was all nonsense but at length he saw saw clearly there was no longer a sheet the portrait was quite uncovered and was gazing beyond everything around it straight at him gazing as it seemed fairly into his heart his heart grew cold he watched anxiously the old man moved and suddenly supporting himself on the frame with both arms raised himself by his hands and putting forth both feet leaped out of the frame through the crack of the screen the empty frame alone was now visible footsteps resounded through the room and approached nearer and nearer to the screen the poor artist's heart began to beating fast he expected every moment his breath failing for fear that the old man would look round the screen at him and lo he did look from behind the screen with the same bronze face and with his big eyes roving about sarkoff tried to scream and felt that his voice was gone he tried to move his limbs refused their office with open mouth and failing breath he gazed at the tall phantom draped in some kind of flowing asiatic robe and waited for what it would do the old man sat down almost on his very feet 
and then pulled out something from among the folds of his wide garment it was a purse the old man untied it took it by the end and shook it heavy rolls of coin fell out with a dull thud upon the floor each was wrapped in blue paper and on each was marked one thousand ducats the old man protruded his long bony hands from his wide sleeves and began to undo the rolls the gold glittered great as was the artist's unreasoning fear he concentrated his attention upon the gold gazing motionless as it made its appearance in the bony hands gleamed rang lightly or dully and was wrapped up again then he perceived one packet which had rolled farther than the rest to the very leg of his bedstead near his pillow he grasped it almost convulsively and glanced in fear at the old man to see whether he noticed it but the old man appeared very much occupied he collected all his rolls replaced them in the purse and went outside the screen without looking at him tsarkoff's heart beat wildly as he heard the rustle of the retreating footsteps resounding through the room he clasped the roll of coins more closely in his hand quivering in every limb suddenly he heard the footsteps approaching the screen again apparently the old man had recollected that one roll was missing lo again he looked around the screen at him the artist in despair grasped the roll with all his strength tried with all his power to make a movement shrieked and awoke he was bathed in a cold perspiration his heart beat as hard as it was possible for it to beat his chest was oppressed as though his last breath was about to issue from it was it a dream he said sizing his head with both hands but the terrible reality of the apparition did not resemble a dream as he woke he saw the old man step into the frame the skirts of the flowing garment even fluttered and his hand felt plainly that a moment before it had held something heavy the moonlit lit up the room bringing out from the dark corners here a canvas there the model of a hand a drapery thrown over a chair trousers and dirty boots then he perceived that he was not lying in his bed but standing upright in front of the portrait how had he come there he could not in the least comprehend still more surprised was he to find the portrait uncovered and with actually no sheet over it motionless with terror he gazed at it and perceived the living human eyes were fastened upon him a cold perspiration broke out upon his forehead he wanted to move away but felt that his feet had in some way become rooted to the earth and he felt that this was not a dream the old man's features moved and his lips began to project towards him as though he wanted to suck him in with a yell of despair he jumped back and awoke was it a dream with his heart throbbing to bursting he felt about him with both hands yes he was lying in bed and in precisely the position in which he had fallen asleep before him stood the screen the moonlight flooded the room through the crack of the scream the portrait was visible covered with the sheet 
as it should be just as he had covered it and so that too was a dream but his clenched fist still felt as though something had been held in it the throbbing of his heart was violent almost terrible the weight upon his breast intolerable he fixed his eyes upon the crack and stared steadfastly at the sheet and lo he saw plainly the sheet begin to open as though the hands were pushing from underneath and trying to throw it off lord god what is it he shrieked crossing himself in despair and awoke and was this too a dream he sprang from his bed half mad and could not comprehend what had happened to him was it the oppression of a nightmare the raving of fever or an actual apparition striving to calm as far as possible his mental tumult and stay the wildly rushing blood which beat with straining pulses in every vein he went to the window and opened it the cool breeze revived him the moonlight lay on the roofs and the white walls of the houses though small clouds passed frequently across the sky all was still from time to time there struck the ear the distant rumble of a carriage he put his head out the window and gazed for some time already the signs of approaching dawn were spreading over the sky at last he felt drowsy shut the window stepped back laid down in bed and quickly fell like one exhausted into a deep sleep he awoke late and with a disagreeable feeling of a man who had been half suffocated with coal gas his head ached painfully the room was dim an unpleasant moisture pervaded the air and penetrated the cracks of his windows dissatisfied and depressed as a wet cock he set himself on his dilapidated divan not knowing what to do what to set about and at length remembered the whole of his dream as he recalled it the dream presented itself to his mind as so oppressively real that he even began to wonder whether it were a dream whether there were not something more here whether it was not really an apparition removing the sheet he looked at the terrible portrait by the light of day the eyes were really striking in their liveliness but he found nothing particularly terrible about them though an indescribably unpleasant feeling lingered in his mind nevertheless he could not quite convince himself that it was a dream it struck him that there must have been some terrible fragment of reality in the vision it seemed as though there was something in the old man's very glance an expression which said that he had been with him that night his hand still felt the weight which had so recently laid in it as if someone had but just snatched it from him it seemed to him that if he had only grasped the roll more firmly it would have remained in his hand even after his awakening my god if i only had a portion of that money he said breathing heavily and in his fancy all the rolls of coin with their fastening inscription one thousand ducats began to pour out of the purse 
the rolls opened the gold glittered and was wrapped up again and he sat motionless with his eyes fixed on the empty air as if he were incapable of tearing himself from such a sight like a child who sits before a plate of sweets and beholds with watering mouth other people devouring them at last there came a knock on the door which recalled him unpleasantly to himself the landlord entered with a constable of the district whose presence is even more disagreeable to poor people than the presence of a beggar to the rich the landlord of the little house in which tsarkov lived resembled the other individuals who owned houses anywhere in the vasilevsky ostrov on the st petersburg side or in the distant regions of kolomna individuals whose character is as difficult to define as the color of a threadbare surtout in his youth he had been captain and braggart a master in the art of flogging skilful foppish and stupid but in his old age he combined all these various qualities into a kind of dim indefiniteness he was a widower already on the retired list no longer boasted nor was dandified nor quarrelled but only cared to drink tea and talk all sorts of nonsense over it he walked about his room and arranged the ends of the tallow candles called punctually at the end of each month upon his lodgers for money went out into the street and with the key in his hand to look at the roof of his house and sometimes chased the porter out of his den where he had hidden himself to sleep in short he was a man on the retired list who after the turmoils and wildness of his life had only his old-fashioned habits left pleased to see for yourself varuk kuzmich said the landlord turning to the officer and throwing out his hands this man does not pay his rent he does not pay how can i when i have no money wait and i will pay i can't wait my good fellow said the landlord angrily making a gesture with the key which he held in his hand lieutenant colonel potogonkin has lived with me seven years seven years already anna petrovna butchmirisov rents the coach-house and stable with the exception of two stalls and has three household servants that is the kind of lodgers i have i say to you frankly that this is not an establishment where people do not pay their rent pay your money at once please or else clear out yes if you rented the rooms please to pay said the constable with a slight shake of the head as he laid his finger on one of the buttons of his uniform well what am i to pay with that's the question i haven't a groschen just at present in that case satisfy the claims of ivan ivanovitch with the fruits of your profession said the officer perhaps he will consent to take pictures no thank you my good fellow no pictures pictures of holy subjects such as one could hang upon the walls would be well enough or some general with a star or prince kutuzov's portrait but this fellow has painted that music that music in his blouse 
his servant who grinds his colors the idea of his painting his portrait the hog i'll thrash him well he took all the nails out of my bolts the scoundrel just see what subjects here he has drawn his room he would have been well enough had he taken a clean well-furnished room but he has gone and drawn this one with all the dirt and rubbish he has collected just see how he has defaced my room look for yourself yes and my lodgers have been with me seven years the lieutenant colonel anna petrovna butchmirsarov oh no i tell you there is no worse lodger than a painter he lives like a pig god have mercy the poor artist had listened patiently to all this meanwhile the officer had occupied himself with examining the pictures and studies and showed that his mind was more advanced than the landlord's and that he was not insensitive to artistic impressions Heh, tapping one canvas on which was depicted a naked woman this subject is lively but why so much black under her nose did she take snuff shadow answered sarkoff gruffly without looking at him but it might have been put in some other place it's too conspicuous under the nose observed the officer and whose likeness is this he continued approaching the old man's portrait it's too terrible was he really so dreadful ah why he actually looks at one what a thunder cloud from whom did you paint it ah it is from a said sarkoff but did not finish his sentence he heard a crack it seemed that the officer had pressed too hard on the frame of the portrait thanks to the weight of his constable's hands the small boards at the side caved in one fell on the floor and when it fell with a heavy crash a roll of blue paper the inscription caught tsarkoff's eye one thousand ducats like a madman he sprang to pick it up grasped the roll and gripped it convulsively in his hand which sank with the weight wasn't there a sound of money inquired the officer hearing the noise of something falling on the floor and not catching sight of it owing to the rapidity with which tsarkoff had hastened to pick it up what business is it of yours what is in my room it's my business because you ought to pay your rent to the landlord at once because you have money and won't pay that's why it's my business well i'll pay him to-day well and why wouldn't you pay before instead of giving trouble to your landlord and bothering the police to boot because i did not want to touch this money i will pay him in full this evening and leave the rooms to-morrow i will not stay with such a landlord well ivan ivanovitch he will pay you said the constable turning to the landlord but in case you are not satisfied in every respect this evening then you must excuse me mr painter so saying he put on his three-cornered hat and went into the ante-room followed by the landlord hanging his head and apparently engaged in meditation thank god satan has carried them off said tsarkoff as he heard the outer door of the ante-room close he looked out into the ante-room sent nikita off on some errand in order to be quite alone 
fastened the door behind him and returning to his room began with widely beating heart to undo the roll in it were ducats all new and bright as fire almost beside himself he sat down beside the pile of gold still asking himself is not this all a dream there was just a thousand in the roll the exterior of which was precisely like we had seen in his dream he turned them over and looked at them for some minutes his imagination recalled up all the tales he had heard of hidden boards cabinets with secret drawers left by ancestors for their spendthrift descendants with firm belief in the extravagance of their life he pondered this did not some grandfather in the present instance leave a gift for his grandchild shut up in the frame of a family portrait filled with romantic fantasies he began to think whether this had not some secret connection with his fate whether the existence of the portrait was not bound up with his own and whether his acquisition of it was not due to a kind of predestination he began to examine the frame with curiosity on one side a cavity was hollowed out but concealed so skillfully and neatly by a little board that if the massive hand of the constable had not effected a breach the ducats might have remained hidden to the end of time on examining the portrait he marvelled again at the exquisite workmanship the extraordinary treatment of the eyes they no longer appeared terrible to him but nevertheless each time he looked at them a disagreeable feeling involuntarily lingered in his mind no he said to himself no matter whose grandfather you were i'll put a glass over you and get you a gilt frame then he laid his hand on the golden pile before him and his heart beat faster at the touch what shall i do with them he said fixing his eyes on them now i am independent for at least three years i can shut myself up in my room and work i have money for colors now for food and lodging no one will annoy and disturb me now i will buy myself a first-class lay figure i will order a plaster torso and some model feet i will have a venus i will buy engravings of the best pictures and if i work three years to satisfy myself without haste or with the idea of selling i shall surpass all and may become a distinguished artist thus he spoke in solitude with his good judgment prompting him but louder and more distinct sounded another voice within him as he glanced once more at the gold it was not thus that his twenty-two years and fiery youth reasoned not everything was within his power on which he had hitherto gazed with envious eyes had viewed from afar with longing how his heart beat when he thought of it to wear a fashionable coat to feast after long abstinence to hire handsome apartments to go at once to the theatre to the confectioners to other places and seizing his money he was in the street in a moment end of section twenty three part one